coming up is Mind Body Health with Dr. Marvin Trotter. Good morning. Um, welcome to Mind Body and Health. Mind Body and Health with Max Colfax at the uh, board here. Um, thank you, Max. So today we're going to discuss uh, oral health. Um, we're going to have this discussion with Michael Frick, who runs the Oral Health Grant for Public Health Community Wellness in Ukiah, and Jen Stash, who is the executive director for Pediatric Dental Initiative in Windsor. So. Welcome. Uh, I have first of all, I have to ask uh, Michael how you got to Mendocino County. Well, I, I'm a native of um, the Midwest, Flint, Michigan, and Kentucky. My wife, though, comes from Mendocino County. She's actually a, a midwife in practice here at MCHC. Uh, and after her education back east, we returned to this place because it's so beautiful. It is a beautiful place. So, Jen, how did you get to Windsor? Um, I got to Windsor via PDI. Uh, so I'm, an, I'm a native Californian and have actually, I'm a graduate way back when of Humboldt State. Um, wow. I won't tell you when, that'll probably start to define the lines on my face. Uh, but with that said, so I've lived in a lot of places um, and uh, came to Windsor um, during the pandemic to join uh, the, the team here at PDI and very happy to be here. Well, today we're going to discuss kids and their teeth and oral health, and uh, we're going to, to talk about everything from basic stuff to things that are really bad and you need to go see Jen in Windsor. But I'd like to start with um, Mr. Frick and talk to us about just the basics of kids and dental health and why should you care now when they're so little? Well, the, the principal reason is that... Um... The, the California Department of Public Health has defined um, dental pain and dental complaints as the chief chronic problem among school-aged kids. You know, it's not um, other serious health difficulties. It's dental pain, um, cavities, stuff that's easily, cheaply preventable, but unfortunately doesn't get addressed in a lot of cases. I was surprised when we put together a health insurance policy for kids 10 years ago for Mendocino County that the principal use of the insurance that we got little kids was dental care by far. Yeah, and, and I think we see um, a lot of different reasons for that, but, but a couple of them um, might be um, public perception about the lack of importance of baby teeth um, and kind of a, um, a lack of awareness around basic hygiene um, function for kids, that it's so important to brush and floss on a daily basis. So let's talk about that, if you don't mind, for a minute, because that's something that I see in primary care clinics a lot, is little kids and their teeth. And sometimes they just look awful, and being ignorant on the subject, um, you know, I just send them to the dentist, but I'm not sure, you know, what if you have a one-year-old, what should you be doing as a one-year-old? Um Aiding in brushing, of course, with a tiny bit of um, uh, toothpaste um, when the first teeth come in, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and generally, um, getting your kid used to the notion of brushing. It's not necessarily a very pleasant thing for a tiny kid, mm -hmm. but if you can ease them into that practice, that's the best 
possible gift that you can give to them there. And so, also making it really fun. You know, that's okay. another thing. You know, PDI, we put out a lot of different publications and parent education materials, um, you know, putting out little songs. Um, there's songs you can sing um, while you're brushing your teeth and, and making it a game instead of a chore is also a really great way. And brushing your teeth as a family, um, making it a family affair is also a really great way to be an example to those young kids. Um, I do want to go back to one thing um, in regards to seeing lots of kids with severe decay. Um, you know, it's there's so many different reasons for that. Um, and one is access to care that, you know, in rural communities, there aren't the number of dentists that there right. are in places like Windsor or like San Francisco or some of the other more um, urban areas. Um, so sometimes those kids can't get access to care. And with families dealing with so many things right now, housing instability, food insecurity, um, dental often goes to 20th on the list. Um, and that's really something that we have to discuss as a community. If it's on the list. Yeah, um, thank you. So, you know, you're supposed to go see your, you know, dentist once a year as an adult. Uh, is that something true for children as well? Yes. yes. Oh, sorry, Michael. <laughs> Both of you are nodding at me. Yes. I know. Go ahead, Jen. It sounds like you have something uh, good. Yes, absolutely. Um, and in fact, if you do have access to to care, you know, it's really to have your to have your teeth cleaned a couple times a year and have that examination once a year and in fact that's what most people that have private insurance through their employers um, uh, have the luxury of um, on a regular basis so they're not dealing with the level of decay that let's say a lot of poor children are who are receiving Medi-Cal benefits. Um, I also just wanna put it out there, and this is a much bigger issue than we can deal with today. And that is, there's not a lot of private dentists that accept Medi-Cal. Um, and that's for a reason, because they can't make their bottom line. It's expensive to practice right. dentistry um, and they just sim simply can't make the bottom line. So they either limit their practices around Medi-Cal patients, or they just don't accept that form of insurance. So most kids should be going to their FQHC, or could you tell us where most kids should try to get yep. access? Yep, their FQHCs um, and um, Indian Health Services, community health clinics. A lot of the school districts are doing screenings um, and have dental hygienists that are working with them through the different public health programs like Michael works with. Um, and, um, and so, you know, really just the, the earliest that you can get a child in for treatment and to start that routine care. Um, and also really looking at nutrition and diet that has such a big deal with our overall body health as well as our mouth health. <laughs> so Michael, I use the term FQHC. So for people listening to the radio, where what does that actually mean for most people in Mendocino County, where to go? Well, these are federally qualified health clinics um, and what it looks like on the ground here is MCHC, Mendocino Community Health Center, with locations in Ukiah and Willits. There's the Mendocino Coast Clinics in Fort Bragg. There's Long Valley Health Center in Laytonville. There's the Anderson Valley Health Center in Boonville. There's the Redwood Coast Medical Services in Point Arena. Consolidated Tribal Health Project in Redwood Valley. 
and the Round Valley Indian Health Center in Covalo. So um, it's a big county, but we do have a fairly good distribution of clinical access. Um, if you have enough dentists. I know that's, uh, we've had Dr. Summers in Covalo who's done a phenomenal job, but he's gone back to Houston. And it's, as you've said before, it's staffing the, the clinics with, um, you know, competent dentists is a problem. I want to put a shout out to Dr. Gonzalez, who's been at Consolidated in Redwood Valley for decades, and she's a phenomenal dentist and has served many, many, many people. Um, so, if, so, so you get your child in to see the dentist and they brush your teeth. Um, I hate to say it, I drank a Dr. Pepper on the way here. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it shocks me to see little kids with Coca-Cola cans that, you know, when they, they're having trouble walking. Is it really a uh, principally a nutritional problem? Is why kids get into trouble so early, or is it bottle feeding? Or tell me, Michael. I, I don't know if I would say that it's principally a nutritional problem, but that's definitely a contributor. I don't want to moralize about the way people eat and drink, but I do. I'll, no problem. You do. <laughs> okay, I'll let you do that. Okay. But I'll say, I'll say, you know, kids need to drink water. Um, if if they're not having mother's milk, kids need to be drinking water. And tell me about the problem with bottle feeding. I, I, I hear that a lot, but I've never quite understood it. You really have the bottle in the kid's mouth long enough that that causes a problem? Absolutely. I mean, if you're walking around with a bottle or even a sippy cup, sippy cups are just as dangerous as bottles are. Um, and that's where you've got this thing that's just stuck in a child's mouth. And, and it's like anything else. If you're, if you're not brushing and taking care of your teeth after you've drank out of the bottle, um, you're, you're at risk of decay um, and you're at risk of infection in your mouth. Um, and so it's really important. A bottle is, is just like any other thing that, that we put in our mouth that we need to make sure that we clean our mouth after we we drink from the bottle and and letting a child walk around with the bottle perpetually hanging out of their mouth okay. that's where you see that bottle rot in those front teeth okay um, it's the walk it's around that. with the bottle all the time yeah or or going to sleep with the bottle um and okay. you know parenting is not easy you know i'm i'm a mom and she's a grown adult now but i get it um and and you know a lot of parents do you know once you can get that child dozed off with that bottle you know it's you're, it's behooved that you're going to wake that child up to clean their gums. However, the long-term impact of that is going to be much worse than waking that child up to clean their mouth after they've bottle fed or breastfed for that matter. So more water, less bottles. More water, less bottles. I would, yeah. I, more water Michael's nodding his head. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And, and, um, you know, I think there's an understandable confusion about the, the health benefits of juice. Parents draw a pretty reasonable conclusion that juice being derived from fruit is a safe, good source of nutrition. It's actually pretty harmful the way those sugars from juice linger on kids' teeth. So, so um, water is what Water, water, water. Um, yeah. um, that is a true story. Um, so, so tell me, uh, so I think the uh, people would like to also hear about PDI. So you go to the dentist, uh, things aren't going well, you've been referred to FQHC. I remember working in the community clinics that we sent people to special places, and I had a friend who was an, an anesthesiologist and pediatrician in Austin that they have very specialized care in places like uh, Windsor. Can you describe what Windsor is? 
Absolutely. So Pediatric Dental Initiative actually came about in 2001 um, and was really born from the idea of first five commissioners um, out of Mendocino County, um, out of Lake County, out of Sonoma County, as well as out of Humboldt County, where they really saw that there was an unmet need, that there were kids with really severe decay that could not be helped in those federally qualified health centers because those centers just didn't have the capacity to treat 10, 12, uh, 20 teeth at a time. Um, and so there was a real need to create a specialty uh, surgery center to where uh, children, primarily Medi-Cal recipients, um, so primarily low-income uh, children from underserved communities could get access to really quality specialty care where we could hit reset on their oral health where we could go in and remove every bit of decay in their mouth. And we do this uh, through dentistry under general anesthesia. And we've got the dream team in every room at every time, including a medical anesthesiologist that's often a pediatric expert. In fact, most of our uh, anesthesiologists come from Children's Hospital in Oakland, um, as well as pediatric dentists, um, RNs, um, and medical assistants. Um, that are all this wonderful team that are working to just remove every bit of decay. And once that child wakes up, um, there's no decay left in their mouth. We can hit reset. And now the, the onerous becomes to, to have that regular care um, and to make sure that they, one, get access to that follow-up appointment so their primary dentist can make sure that they're back on the right track. Um, and also making sure that we connect them with all the resources that they need, nutrition support, um, dental hygiene kits, um, connecting them to different resources in their own community. And in fact, we actually employ um, what we call our promotores, um, and we have a promotora, uh, Maite, who works and lives in Mendocino County. Um, she also serves Lake County. Um, and after we see kids at PDI and they go home, we actually follow up with those families, whether we do it over the phone or whether we knock on their doors and we say, hi, we're here to help. And the big reason for that is because we don't want kids to come back to PDI. We want them to get connected to that preventive care like the rest of us so enjoy in life um, so that they get regular dental visits. Um, their parents have new um, and caregivers have new knowledge about the dangers of sugary drinks and, mm -hmm. and juices and, and candy and soda. Um, and, and they can all really work together. Um, so it really is an opportunity to, to hit reset at PDI. So, Michael, the, the, I, I was in the 60s, I was in Latin America giving out dental kits in the middle of nowhere in Guatemala and Honduras. What, it, what programs are available to go around and, and teach people and get services to little kids when they're young? Because we're talking about before they get to school, right? That's right, and, and at kindergarten and the TK level. And that's really where sort of the first step of our local oral health program, our manifestation of the California State Grant, that's the first step. That's where it begins, is accessing students and teaching them um, just fundamental oral care. And, and that's an important first step because this has become an obsession of mine lately, um, looking at the numbers. Um, the oral health problems, they're the chief reason that kids miss school. And missing school is directly correlated 
to low graduation rates. So hard, if we get hard, hard kids to imagine, to, I mean, you yeah. know, when you come from a wealthy enough family to get dental care, it's hard to imagine that your kid's missing school from dental pain. Yeah. Um, and this, I think, is what's so exciting about working in public health is that we can push at the margins here and sort of shift our whole county's health and well-being over the course of a lifetime. It's all about prevention. You know, being at public health, um, you know, what was it if you for every dollar spent in public health, you save eight dollars down the road. It's it's just amazing how much uh, prevention, more prevention effort we should have in lots of things in the county, whippets, vaping, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, Ann Mulgard, I think, was at First Five when she and Carol Mordhorst got together with Kristen Gardner to write the insurance policy for all the little kids. And what what is zero, uh, what is First Five? Are they involved with this at all also? Yeah, no, well, First Five was actually one of the founder, you know, the funders of PDI, along with California Endowment oh, really? and several other big grants that came forth and said that, that we needed a resource in the rural communities. We needed a place like PDI. Um, and, you know, if you've heard Dr. Lewis talk, you know, he's often said that PDI was a game changer for Northern California because prior to PDI, these kids had no place to go. So these clinics would look into these mouths where there were 20 out of 20 teeth that were decayed and infected and have to say to these parents, I'm sorry, there's not much that we can do for you. So the next place that they often ended up was in emergency care because of a, an infection in their mouth and extreme pain. Um, and, I, and I go back to the little kids, you know, when we look at the great work that, that Michael does in, in bringing all of us together, including PDI, including Head Start programs, mm -hmm. including the school district, you know, really working together to, to identify those vulnerable children really early. And I give a really good example of a story that comes out of Mendocino County Head Start, where we actually had a Head Start teacher, one of our case managers, uh, who's very known in the community um, and very connected, Wendy, uh, had a Head Start teacher call her and say, listen, I think I got a problem here. There's a kid in my class and he's swallowing his food whole. And so I think there's some problem with his oral health. So sure enough, we coordinated care with one of the clinics in Mendocino County to get a primary assessment done. And his little mouth was so infected that he could not chew his food. So he was in such pain. So he was referred to PDI where again, we hit reset on his oral health. Um, and now I'm, I'm happy to say that that he's pain-free. Um, and my Tay recently did a home visit for mm -hmm. this child. And, um, and I smile because I laugh. He ran to the door and he opened the door and he smiled and said, I can bite my onions again. And he was <laughs> so excited about that. So, you know, we hear stories about like that all the time and it really does take a village. It really does take all of the partners in Mendocino County um, to, to create the oral health continuum of care that our community deserves. You know, I know that Anderson Valley has a great dental clinic. Uh, when I worked at Anderson Valley, I think the dental clinic saw more people than we did in the medical clinic or, you know, you know, they were always busy. And the, you know, Mendocino Community Health Clinic has a huge dental clinic and they do, you know, the FQHCs do a great job uh, providing dental care. 
that you don't hear about so much, but they see an enormous number of people. We wouldn't be here without them. And in fact, they are our partners. Again, you cannot come and just walk into PDI. It takes um, a referral partner and care coordination. And we do that through a network of, of referral partners in Mendocino County who, who work with us. And we all work together to make sure that these kids not only get to PDI, but when they get home, they get the care that they need so that they don't come back to PDI. That's always the goal. Okay, Michael, so all the people listening that have little kids or little grandkids, what's the three things you want to tell them about their kids and their dental health? What, they sh what should they be doing? I, got a, I have a three-year-old grandson. He looks pretty good, but I don't know that he's been to the dentist. Um, uh, I'm, and, and he probably has, and I just don't know it. But tell me, tell me about my three-year-old grandson, Callum, who's, you know, obviously an angel little boy. What should so, I be doing for his teeth? They look so, great. So Callum needs to be drinking water and not juice okay. or other beverages. Okay. Um, staying away from sweets. No um, gummy bears? Know. Okay, go ahead. No, a, a treat once in a while is good, but we need to keep sugars away from kids' teeth generally. Okay. Um, he needs to be brushing. He needs to be brushing okay. twice a day at least. And he needs to be getting um, regular uh, dental assessments, regular dental care the extent that it's possible. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have to go to say one thing and I didn't mean to interrupt, but I right. would say that if you do have a choice, it's better to not give gummy candy. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. Gummy I, uh, candy is the worst thing I, that kids can put in their mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I got, I got some bad looks from his parents when I brought him back from Costco with a laundry uh, soap size, um, box of gummy bears <laughs> yeah they, yep. they said this that i was not helping um you know their uh, eating habits dr so, trotter tisk tisk i know i know i know i know i know i know um i have a, i have a sweet tooth and i just got back from dr ortega's office um you know and he takes good care of my teeth but i should take better care of my teeth um so say you're a teenager and uh, should you still, you know, I don't know how many teenagers have the wherewithal to be smart enough to be going to the dentist at the M MCHC or elsewhere. Is, is problems exist with teens as well? Or are they on top of things? These problems do exist with, um, with teenagers who have a little bit more autonomy. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. In some situations, kids like that might be in a position to be taking care of their own oral health needs and seeking their own care. Um, Jen might be able to speak a little more competently about issues of um, Medi-Cal eligibility or, or coverage. We have, frankly, a system that's sort of a stopgap here, not having a single-payer healthcare system. We have a series of stopgap measures which are a little tricky to navigate for most people, uh, particularly kids. but. Yeah, and I would here. I would concur with that statement, Michael. That you're right. When there is that access to health insurance when kids are young, um, in California in particular, um, and and up until 18, and in some instances, if you have special needs, it could be even greater than that. But once you hit kind of that young adult period of life, um, you, there is that stopgap in coverage. And often, um, I know even for myself, 
when I was a struggling college student. Um, dental care was not even something that was in the cards at the time. Um, and so, you know, you, you just had to deal with it. So we really do need a system that, that looks at the continuity of care through the lifespan. And I have to go back to teenagers and say, you know, that's when we're doing a lot of other risky things in life, right? Um, and that's when we're doing probably things that might even have um, an impact on our teeth. Um, substance abuse, um, you know, many other things. We still don't know the impact of things like vaping um, and cannabis use on oral health. Um, and there's a lot more studies that are coming out to show the impact of some of these um, behaviors on our oral health. But it's also a time when we think that we're invincible um, and that nothing can hurt us and nothing can harm us um, and that it's okay to, to bite the calf off a beer bottle or something really strange like that. So I would say those are some of the things we have to be concerned with around oral health in adolescence. That's a great point, Jen. And I think <laughs> that, um, that we um, also can talk about potentially unknown long-term consequences from those behaviors and lack of care. It's becoming increasingly clear um, that the mouth is a sort of a gateway of the body and that there are implications for cardiac health, and other systemic health issues related to poor oral health. It is fascinating. I mean, it's a subject that I want to talk about uh, when I get Dr. Ortega on, but I'm shocked at how many things are related to how bad your dental health are. Um, you know, cardiovascular disease in, in particular, the inflammatory component and how that causes your coronary arteries to react. Um, also, just to tell everybody who doesn't know, there's this thing, terrible thing called meth mouth. And if you really want to see a bad-looking mouth, uh, find somebody that uses methamphetamines. I've never seen so many teeth rotten off from something like that. And I don't think they ever recover from that. You see people with dentures from that. Methamphetamines is my number one ugly drug, uh, but I won't go into that. Uh, in just uh, a minute here, people are going to be able to start calling you and asking you questions at 895-2448 to discuss what they want to hear about dental health. Um, 895-2448. We'll start that in just a minute. Uh, Before the phone calls start, is there something else that you all would like to say that we've forgotten about? Well, the only other thing I'd say is not only the physical health implications around oral health, but the mental health implications around oral health are probably more prevalent um, than we think. Um, And, you know, uh, having a healthy and attractive smile uh, really does uh, give people access to a lot of different things in life, including a job, including social support. Um, including um, many different things. Um, So I think there's something to be said about the emotional toll um, that also um, oral health has on the body. I I saw a study once that says your smile was kind of the number one reason why you get hired in a job. Yes. That if you don't have good teeth when you smile, you don't get the job. You know, and that's kind of regardless of what the job is. Right. Okay. People, if you don't have good teeth, you're presumed that you're not intelligent. You're, there's a lot of different presumptions. Right. That right. So Max is going to start us on the road here. All right. The number is 707-895-2448. So give us a call and start asking 
uh, Jen and Michael questions. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, Dr. Trotter, I'm interested in asking you a question. Uh -oh. I, I wonder in your hospital work, um, what your experience of treating dental issues was like. The most common thing, no question, and you see it in the clinic also, not as bad, but in the ER, people come in and they look like they have a growth on their jaw because they have so much cellulitis around their dental infection. And people go around with these teeth cut off at the gum for forever rather than getting them, you know, they wait until things are bad and then you end up actually coming in the hospital. Some of these people are septic because the dental infection has gotten into their uh, jaw and they have facial cellulitis and then that gets in their bloodstream. So, um, and it's interesting to me how some people have pretty good looking teeth except for one tooth is broken off at the gum line that they need to have taken care of because eventually that's gonna give you pain or an infection. Um, um, so yes, and you use penicillin or erythromycin are the two common drugs, excuse me, clindamycin, are the two drugs that are most effective for dental infections. And a lot of people talk that they've had trouble with that for a long time. I know there's 60,000 Medi-Cal patients in Lake and Mendocino County, so I can imagine the dental clinics are under um, enormous pressure to take care of all these people. Yeah, I think that's true. And um, <clears throat> there's definitely not a, a great wealth of providers here. Um, as beautiful as this place is, it's, it's, it's remoteness and the chronic housing problem makes it difficult to attract dental providers. That is so true. And I think that that's a big thing that we have to kind of look at as, you know, in any rural community is how do we advocate to get those providers into our community, whether it's through the, you know, more robust tuition reimbursement programs, whether it's through um, tax credits for private practitioners to see Medi-Cal patients. Um, I think there's so many creative ways that we can incentivize because it's really a systemic problem. Um, and, and that is, you know, dentists want to help people. Um, everybody wants to, to work to, to improve the community. But when your reimbursement rates are so low, um, and in the case of, of PDI, for example, um, our reimbursement rates are so low that for every child that we treat, we have to fundraise at least $300. Um, no and that, that is, so that's, doesn't include everything else either. So um, it's important to keep that in mind that, that it, it really is going to take some dollars as well to solve this problem. Um, prevention, prevention, prevention. Yeah. Um, does California Endowment still involved? They were a wonderful organization when I was around 10 or 20, 15 years ago. They're not currently supporting us directly, but we're certainly reaching out to them. Um, their giving guidelines have changed a bit as many different foundations, you know, um, as they go through their strategic planning periods, things change. Um, and so um, we, we are still reaching out to them and keeping them informed um, and working with a lot of the different community foundations um, in the different areas, including the one in Mendocino and Humboldt and Sonoma um, to make sure that we're working in the communities um, to resolve the 
the problem. Um, and a big part of the work that we do at PDI is our prevention education work. Um, and again, we're, we do parent presentations, uh, we're going into Head Start classrooms um, and working with the parents and helping the kids learn to make healthy snacks um, and, and doing fun activities and learning songs to brush their teeth really empowering kids and families to take control of their own oral health. Um, and that's really what it's all about. And those, those are really inexpensive and easy ways to give lifelong health benefit to people and to prevent really costly emergencies, the kind of problems that you're talking about, Jen, seeing a PDI. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, Dr. Trotter, when you said that statement about the emergency room, we most recently were meeting with our legislators in Sacramento. And one of our board members is actually the retired medical director, uh, Dr. Kristen Johnson. Um, and Dr. Johnson also had a very long career at Children's Hospital. And so as we were telling the story of 2008, when we opened the doors to the surgery center, uh, Dr. Johnson, reminisced and said, you know, I was just thinking about where I was in 2008 and I was walking through the intensive care unit at Children's Hospital um, looking at a little child who was essentially dying because of an abscessed tooth. No kidding. Um, and, and again, that really is the worst case scenario, but that is it, every bit of it is preventable. And, you know, when we when we say this, and it's true that uh, cavities and tooth decay is the number one chronic disease of childhood. It is a wonder that we don't have more resources working to tackling that problem. Okay, so now I'm gonna bring up fluoridation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> since we haven't had a phone call because it is uh, was stunning to me as public health officer, the difference rates of children's cavities, et cetera, in Hillsburg, who has had 50 years, 50 years of fluoridation versus Mendocino County. And in fact, if you look at the rest of the United States, I think it was somewhere in Michigan that started fluoridation um, 75 years ago. And it is commonplace in much of the United States. Um, the other thing that surprised me was that there is two parts per million or four parts per million fluoride just naturally occurring in the Russian River, and you're just increasing it to six or seven uh, parts per million, and it makes a profound difference in uh, cavity rates for children, uh, especially if they drink the water. Um, so um, what is your all's view of fluoridation? We'll make the conversation here a little more uh, um, inflammatory, as we say in, in medicine. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not a chemist or a medical professional, but um, having done a bit of reading, I can tell you that it does seem that fluoride is efficacious at a very low level, right? At, at you know, right. seven or eight parts per million. I don't know what the figure is. Um, and that that is, a, again, a cheap thing that we can do to demonstrably improve the oral health of young people in our community. Uh, there are some challenges in our region, uh, given the diffuseness of water systems. There's a lot of people living off well water. Right. Um, there's various services that are municipal or otherwise. It's a complex issue in Mendocino County. 
um, but I think that it could do good for us. Well, it always impressed me that everybody goes out and buys fluoridated toothpaste. Everybody uses fluoridated toothpaste. But then there's a certain part of the population that thinks that fluoridation is poisoning your water. So I'm, I've never understood that I'm going to brush my teeth with all this fluoride, but I don't want it in my water. Um, but so much of public health is prevention, prevention, prevention. I won't go into other things because I'll start to rant. But I do think that fluoridation is something that should be looked at. And didn't California pass a big law a few years ago where most systems over a certain size have to be fluoridated? Or I forget what the law was. I Go ahead, Jen. I'm not sure about that, but I do know, for instance, here near where we are, um, you know, you're right. Healdsburg is a community that has had fluoridated water for, for many, many years, but very close by is Santa Rosa, who has been battling this issue now for probably the same amount of time that Healdsburg has had fluoridated water. So it is, I agree. I think that fluoridated water, and as a public health professional, um, I have a master's in public health and studied at Loma Linda. Um, it was always a big part of what we talked about as far as the population, uh, you know, um, um, impact around oral health. Um, but it also is one of those things that is highly debated. Um, right. And for the same reason that everything else is debated, most often because of misinformation and misunderstanding um, about what fluoridated water means. Um, but LA's and, fluoridated, right? San Francisco's yeah. fluoridated. All the big cities are fluoridated, right? But Santa Rosa isn't. Nope. And they have fought for it and, and they fought a great deal about it. Um, I think there's still some efforts, but as we know um, right now, a lot of things, the big things that communities are, are, are really battling and putting a lot of their resources in at that systemic level is really around housing. So um, it, that's the other challenge around making that argument at this time around fluoridated water, um, because it is just one more thing on the list for communities. But again, it would save so much money for communities um, and families. Right. I agree. Um, so tell me a little bit more about is there any problems you have some I see some of these little bitty kids five years old that have four or five um, um, silver caps or you know temporary fillings or I don't know quite I'm sort of ignorant on the topic um, um, they get by with all these waiting for their adult teeth to come in or how how, how does that work you do all this work on them in Windsor and then they things get better as they put in their adult teeth that's the goal and and that really is why we want to get kids to windsor sooner than later and families to windsor sooner than later um, so that they can be empowered to change things in their lives and their own behaviors um, whether it's nutrition and dental hygiene practices and getting access to regular care um, and whether they live in communities with fluoridated water um, and all of those different aspects it really is around making sure that they don't come back to a place like PDI that they're able to go and get access to those regular checkups that they don't have a mouthful of tooth decay anymore because we know that if we brush and floss and we do what we need to do for our mouth 
we don't get tooth decay. And, you know, I always love the line and I'm, we've all heard it, but, you know, and it goes back to at any age, you know, you just have to brush the teeth that you want to keep. That's the bottom line. Right. 895 <laughs> Give us a call. So, you know, once upon a time, they weren't sure that flossing was a good thing. And now I'm, I have these funny little plastic toothpicks that I use on my teeth, you know, where my Uncle George had uh, toothpicks in his mouth all the time. Um, so how, you know, do you, do you get little kids to floss? It's, oh, we have a phone call. Just a second. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Good morning. Um, yeah, I had a couple questions um, about um, what's the uh, effectiveness of using um, a water pick, like with a slight amount of hydrogen peroxide occasionally to, uh, you know, uh, cleans one, clean one's uh, kids and oneself's, uh, you know, teeth at home to, uh, you, you know, for delayed, you know, if one isn't able to get into a dental office. Then I also wondered about... Um, you know, pH testing, you know, because the body, um, you know, when you talk about sugar in the teeth, so if the body's remineralizing, that often takes a positive pH. So if huh. it's early in the morning, you know, the first urine, the first, you know, the morning saliva before eating, checking the pH. So I, I wondered how that fit, fit into the equation. Okay. And then the third thing, the final thing is, okay, with, with, the, with the fruit juice, so I wonder, is it necessarily the fruit juice is bad? I mean, I've heard that if it's diluted, you know, 50%, so with water. And then the most important thing is not to leave sugar in contact with the teeth afterwards. So if the, if the ch young child has a, has a bottle, okay, the water. So I, I guess the point is, is trying to do things positive and not just saying, you know, take Don't something away. Okay. Thank you very much for your call. You know, the water pick was something that my wife uses that I don't use and I've always wondered about. But there's three good questions. So who wants to talk about water picks? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about water picks. And again, I am not a dentist, but I know from talking to our dentist here at PDI, what they have always advised when they're asked, what's better, a toothbrush, an electric toothbrush, a water pick, what's better? They always say regular care is best. So whatever you're using, if you're using it on a regular basis, that's the most important thing. So brushing your teeth and flossing your teeth twice a day, whether you're using a water pick or whether you're using a manual toothbrush or an electric toothbrush, that is the most important thing. Okay, I'm lazy. I use an electric toothbrush. Okay, I've never heard the discussion about pH. That was an interesting, is there, I've never heard a discussion of pH. Well, I, I think that the takeaway there is that um, people need to be drinking water. It's close to pH balanced and it um, it counteracts acids that are operating in the mouth after people eat carbohydrates like sugar. Mm -hmm. um, so drink water, drink water, drink water. That's a major takeaway for today for oral health. And I have also heard that, okay, juices are fine, but dilute them with water and then it's okay for your kid. Is that the same thing as saying drink water after your juice or is juice inherently bad? 
Well, I, I don't think juice is good or bad. I, I think that uh, that a little bit of fruit or vegetable juice can be really helpful um, to give uh, vitamins and other nutrients, but it's not a substitute for water. It's like a food item. If you're okay. gonna drink some juice, you have it at a meal maybe, or as a snack, and then you resume drinking water for when you're thirsty. Okay, but the bottom line is water. We have another call? Oh. No. Okay, but the bottom line is water and getting, and not uh, drinking Dr. Pepper and eating M and M's uh, when you're doing your charts uh, at work. Is that <laughs> or just making sure you brush your teeth afterwards, right? And okay. I think that the caller made a good point to say that that you know, it, the point is to remove the. Um, and that's really the point of the matter. You know, we all eat sugar. Um, I'm included. Um, and so with that said, um, it's really important to just, you know, have that hygiene routine that removes the sugar from the teeth. So it's not sitting on the teeth and decaying, especially at nighttime. Um, brushing your teeth before you go to bed is so important for that reason. So, okay. Dr. Ortega has, ha I have that habit now. At 70. Um, so um, tell me about oral health in relation to other public health issues, Michael, that you'd like to see the children doing um, in a healthy manner. What I guess I'm, I'm going to bring up exercise and just what kids eat now as far as oral health. I'm appalled at the fact that 50% of Ukiah Unified School District students are overweight or obese in the fifth grade. And, you know, it's not just juice. What are people, why, why is oral health and everything else so bad? Is it all processed food or what's the message you should have? Well, I, I don't think there's any one answer um, in, in response to our overall health, but I think that maybe what you're pointing at is diet that that's a fundamental concern. And um, again, I don't want to moralize. It's expensive to eat well frequently. But, but when possible, when parents can provide high protein, um, also whole foods, vegetables, whole grains, if we can get away from eating stuff like sugar, refined flour, um, and other refined sugars, our kids are going to be a little bit leaner. They're going to have better teeth. They're going to have better energy and um, and cognition and be happier. I just thought of uh, my dad was a CPA, and I I can remember numbers better than I can remember people's names. But guess how many gallons per year an average American consumes of soda? I dread to think how much. Thirty six gallons. Oh. Okay, we have another caller. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. I'd like to make uh, two statements. One is just a statement in itself, and that is that I believe that uh, as an environmentalist that we should all use floss without plastic attached to them just to keep the excess plastic from Good going out into the environment and becoming part of our ecosystem. Uh, so I encourage you, Dr. Dr. Uh, Trotter, and other people to... Uh, learn that technique of using floss itself. The other thing is, uh, my entire life, and I'm in my 60s, my entire life, I've, or early on, uh, I always heard that we should brush after eating meals. And now, more recently, you know, we're making bone broth. We put the tiniest bit of 
vinegar to get a slightly more acid environment to break down the bones a little bit in the, in the pot. And I'm under the impression that after we eat, our mouths are more acid, like to go to 5.5 or 5.8 as opposed to 7, which is neutral. And wouldn't brushing our teeth, adding abrasion at a time that our mouths are more acid do a little bit more damage to our teeth than we'd want to have happening? And that's okay. all I need to say. Interesting question. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, what is the uh, um, good type of floss? I mean, you know, the you know is you know we want to keep all the plastic away. Is there a a paper floss? I'm I'm ignorant. I, I, well, I'm, I'm talking about those picks. You know, the little pick you got that yes. has a little tiny piece of floss on it. Well, that's a lot of plastic. Okay. And a little bit of floss. Okay. So now use... there is unfortunately there are lots of companies out there or some companies out there. That add a little bit of Teflon, I believe, to the floss, and and that is a you know a, a product also that we really don't want to add okay. to our diets, as well as you know it's adding it to the environment. So okay. I, right. I I like to use dental tape that I'm under the impression does not have any Teflon added to it. The ones that they say they're waxed, but I don't I don't absolutely know how to know whether that's the case. Okay, let's but see what they have to plastic, say. That's a lot of plastic. Okay, thank you, thank you for the call. So. Tell us about dental tape versus floss and these picks that I just started using last month. You all have an opinion about this? Well, you know, I again, you know, around oral health care, you know, those little picks were actually, um, I think, um, manufactured to really help kids learn how to floss. Um, as a um, human being um, <laughs> and somebody who also uh, joins our caller in caring about um, these matters, I would say the same thing that, you know, learn how to floss, look at the ingredients that are in the floss that you're, that you're okay. buying to make sure that they are um, sustainable products that are, you know, good for the environment. Um, and I also have to say, as somebody who has spent, you know, time um, in places like Hawaii, when you look at times of the year when the current has uh, washed up a lot of plastic on the beaches, um, those little picks, along with lighters, are some of the most prominent things really? that you see washed up. So no, um, I, I think agree. Let's all okay. learn to use floss. Okay. <laughs> um, we have one more caller. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, as someone with um, all of his wisdom teeth, when people tell me that I should be flossing my teeth with floss without using any sign of a kind of a pick, I suspect they probably don't have their wisdom teeth because trying to be, or maybe they have extremely long fingers. I don't know, but uh, but but trying to to floss those wisdom teeth back there effectively with just using your fingers and some floss is very difficult for me to do. And I find the floss picks work extremely well in doing so. And the little uh, floss picks that have a curve to them and have little spines on them that help you clean back there are much, actually work quite well for me. And when I look at plastic pollution, I tend to look at the sizes of things because you may see more floss picks out there than you see large plastic bags. 
but one large plastic bag is equal to a whole lot of floss picks. Okay. So, Thank you for the call. We, thanks thanks yeah. for the call. Um, I agree that my granola uh, is better uh, suited to floss picks that I have in the morning than, than flossing. Um, but the, the also, I'd like to talk about, I've never heard so much discussion about the pH of your mouth. Um, <clears throat> is, And you make a good point, Michael, that, you know, the pH of 7, uh, you know, just drink more water? Or is there more to this pH than I understand? Well, Jen, having um, some more intimacy with clinical work than I do, may have uh, more profound insights than I have. But mine is just, yeah, drink water. Keep your mouth more or less pH balanced. Avoid acids. Yeah, I was. I agree with that. I think that there are um, different water sources that are more pH balanced. Um, and as you look at, at some of your more spring watered sources, as opposed to some of those um, purified sources, uh, which tend to just be tap water that are run through filters, um, there is some difference in pH levels. And I actually have um, been, you know, um, privileged to hear some different dentists talk about the importance of the pH levels in the mouth. But going back to what Michael said, the best way to, to, to keep your pH levels at a healthy range is to drink water um, and to perhaps look at the type of water that you're drinking if you are having problems in that regard. Um, but, you know, going back to the comment about, um, you know, bone broth and vinegar um, contributing to, to pH levels, again, it's about good things and, and eating good things and diet and water um, that really contributes to, to, to our healthy uh, mouths. And these, and these things are pretty simple and broad, and we don't need to worry too much about the specifics of them, I think, but um, just basic fundamental things that we know are good for us. So I want, at the end of the show, I'd like you all to discuss a little bit about how to get kids into dental care and also what's going on in Windsor as a closing thing. So, Michael, tell me about you. You have a three-year-old kid. What should you be doing? Making it fun. I, I think that um, making it part of a of a of a fun bedtime routine is super important. Brushing teeth. Um, Jen, what do you think? I agree. I think being a good example, you know, um, is is always a great thing in modeling those good behaviors as parents and caregivers, and taking care of ourselves, um, and and showing um, children that self care is really important um, and helping them and empowering them to take care of themselves by giving them what they need around um, hygiene kits um, and, and making sure that they have access to that healthy food. And I know it's really easy for families when they're busy to, to go that processed route. Um, and I have certainly done it myself, um, but I think that that's always a great thing when you can make that healthy choice um, in, instead of that um, convenient choice sometimes. Yeah, my, my daughter Gwen loved carrots. She ate carrots Yeah, there you the go. <laughs> um, and then access, your three-year-old should be going trying to go to an FQHC if you have Medi-Cal, right? They need to go to MCHC or one of the county clinics for Medi-Cal because I do think it's uh, the private dentist can't afford to do the Medi-Cal so much. <laughs> But you just start that when they're young. Take them to the dentist when they're two or three years old, or when do you start? Actually, when they first two. Really? 
first tooth. Yep. Okay. And, and you know, and the primary providers have a lot to do with that as well. Um, when you're going to the pediatrician, there is, you know, they're starting to look at the baby's mouth as well. But once you that first tooth, that's when you need to to make sure that you're you're getting that child into dental care. And then tell and us. I, I, go ahead. I think that people can be really anxious about paying for health care and dental care. Understandably, I'll say this: get your kid into a clinic. Talk to the people who work at the clinic. They want to help you find ways to afford health care reasonably. Yeah, and prevention's a lot cheaper than. Um, having troubles later. So we have only one minute left. Tell us about PCI in Windsor so people understand what that is. No problem. PDI. PDI. Uh, so Pediatric Dental Initiative. Um, and again, we're um, an organization that is nonprofit. Um, we operate a surgery center here in Windsor that is a regional organization that treats kids with severe decay uh, using dentistry under, under anesthesia. Um, coupled with a prevention and education program where we follow up with home visits and dental hygiene kits. And we also partner with the food bank where we deliver healthy food bags to make sure that we can provide an example of, of what those healthy choices are. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.